Welcome back to the Restoring Darkness podcast. On today's show, I am pleased to be joined by Peter Augusta, the General Manager of Kasambi Technologies, Inc. Prior to his 20-year career leading teams and driving revenue in the lighting manufacturing controls industry, Peter worked in software. It was this distinctive blend of experiences that fluid his passion for harnessing technology for innovative problem solving, a passion he now brings to Kasambi. And we're going to have that talk that many of us have heard about on this show about why there is not enough controls development in municipal outdoor street lighting, Mark Baker. So I'm joined by my co-host today, Mark Baker of the Soft Lights Foundation. My name is Michael Colligan. I'm the Executive Director of the Lighting and Darkness Foundation. And uh, if you've never heard of the Lighting and Darkness Foundation, we do a lot of things. One of them is we, we help mitigate light trespass disputes. We create educational programming for, for uh, lighting distributors or what we call frontline lighting practitioners. And uh, we do other advocacy work like produce the Restoring Darkness podcast. So if you want to donate to this, you can go to restoringdarkness.com. You can click the donate link. And many people have done it already. And we also finally, after many weeks and months, we have a recurring donor, Mark Baker. We have someone who gives money to the Restore, um, Lighting and Darkness Foundation every single month. So why not become a recurring donor? That's right. Um, let me just see here quickly. I think I got through everything there. Peter Augusta of Kasambi, welcome to the Restoring Darkness podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, we had met before at Arclight, and I know Kasambi is, uh, and I'm just going to get right into it before I hand it off to my co-host for a bit, um, but why is there so much focus on digital lighting controls on the inside of buildings when I see such a huge opportunity for uh, in a host of areas, research, energy savings, um, dark skies, animal migrations, uh, whatever, on, on the exterior lighting, there doesn't seem to be much there. Why is that? Um, you know, it's got to be more projects, uh, more money, easier to do, uh, less interaction with mis- with municipalities. <laughs> uh, we, we at Kasami really don't do municipality lighting. We do outdoor private parking lots. We do uh, parks, which I guess is municipality, but it's municipality light. There's a lot of restrictions, lots of redundancies, lots of um, integration points. So it's a it's a difficult equation. It's not a technical barrier, though. Like the 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 uh, all of the all of the uh, research and development has been done. It's a matter of deploying in those areas. Would it not be? Yeah, I would think so. It's uh, you know we can all of us, some better than others, probably can can handle the integration. We can handle the redundancy. Uh, but it's a lot of time and effort. You've got to have very specific teams, especially when it comes to municipalities. You you've have to have dedicated teams for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to your point, most of the um, existing control companies, the lion's share of us at least, are, are geared more towards interior commercial projects, those types of things. Or maybe even you know exterior, but, but co- the commercial area. Mm-hmm. It, I think it it has to do with the fact that it takes so long to sell a municipality something. First to convince them to do it, and then to go through the process of selling it to them. You could have two or three product cycles by the time they actually ended up buying something from you. So I, I, I see yeah, that. Yeah, it's absolutely a commercial issue. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, it is for us. I would think uh, others think of it as the same way. Hmm. Um, 
So yeah, so we the 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 quest continues, Mark Baker, for the uh, uh, you know the ability to control outdoor lighting for the, all the different reasons we discussed on this show. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you two talk because one of the big selling points for switching to LED streetlights was the controls. Mm. Uh, and yet I'm not really aware of any controls out there. Like, mm -hmm. so they went and did the switch to the LED product, but the control thing was like down the road. And now what I'm hearing Peter say is like, yeah, in fact, I don't know. It sort of sounds like the LED streetlights may burn out before you even get around to doing the controls. Mm. What do you think, Peter? <laughs> God, I would hope not. That's a long time. But, you know, to your point, though, you know, municipalities made decisions to go with uh, LED um, and controls was part of the equation. It was talked about. It was a known factor. But, you know, there's always pricing pressures on them. And maybe they started out with that in mind. Uh, but perhaps, sorry, perhaps what was delivered ended up being, um, you know, without the, the certain attributes of the features that uh, would be make it easier to integrate controls to. Example being, you know, I could think of a project uh, in Miami that had every uh, intention of putting in um, a, a NEMA connector, which meant that all we would need to do is come in and kind of connect, put like a little hockey puck module on the top of it. Mm -hmm. and, there you go. Wirelessly, boom, we'd be able to make connections and, and control those fixtures. But for pricing pressure, they, they took that out. So it makes it more difficult mm. to, to, to enable those. Hmm. Wow. Would you, P Peter, would you, uh, this is sort of theoretical, but let's say they, they were able to accomplish that, what Michael's talking about and putting in, in those controls. Um, would they then be able to sort of uh, help with the light pollution issue? Like, say, do you think a city could say, oh, we'll, we'll turn off the streetlight at, at, I don't know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m. and let it be dark for, you know, half the night? I would think that the maybe not turn off. Uh, for security reasons and light has a lot to do with security, um, but definitely dim down. Uh, if you take Kasami, there's a lot of flexibilities in what you could do where it could say, you know, at 12 a.m. dim down to, let's say, 10 uh, percent. If you use a sensor, again, commercial issue, if you want to put a sensor in every light fixture, uh, when somebody comes into the area, then they could just come back up to a, to a, a lighter, or, I'm sorry, to a, a higher intensity. Uh, so absolutely, the it could play a big role in, in the equation. Doesn't necessarily have to turn off, but it certainly could. It's interesting to hear you say that because, like, one of the reasons for switching to LED streetlights was to save money. So mm -hmm. would you be saving if you if you dimmed it down to ten percent of its normal wattage? I guess w wouldn't you be saving a, just a ton of money? Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't those controls pay for themselves by doing that? I, there's definitely an ROI, I guess it's all going to depend on the equipment and, you know, the, um, uh, specific energy use. But when you think about LED versus that of the older technologies, the glass and gas technologies, you're already at 65 to 70% savings. So now we're talking about what's, what can I affect by dimming it down? And certainly there is going to be um, a net effect, uh, maybe it's an additional five, six, seven, eight, ten percent at the at the outermost. Um, 
in a municipality that means something. I'm not belittling it at the at the least bit. But a chunk was was done when we shifted from glass and gas to that of of LED. Now we're talking about how can we refine that in a, in a, in a, in a large municipality or a small municipality. That's 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 good money. That's a lot of money. To me, the ROI um, is more to do with um, social, environmental, and um, human responses to it rather than energy efficiency. I think, you know, I looked at the features of some of your fixtures here, um, Peter, a high color rendition, color temperature selectable. Um, is, is that tunable using your controls, the color temperature? Can you tune it? Yeah, we can enable the functionality of the light fixture. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have the ability to say, you know, to color tuning outdoor. Does that mean anything? Um, I don't know. Uh, it it could, could create an effect. Certainly in some outdoor applications, we're manipulating actual color RGB, which mm -hmm. is a native part of our offering as well. That's usually to create a mood, to create some sort of a theme, you know, mm -hmm. Christmas, Valentine's sure. Day, um, support your favorite football team. Mm -hmm. There's universities uh, that we're working with that, you know, during game day, they're turning their, um, uh, turning their lights to game day colors. Mm -hmm. um, those are cool ambiance types of things. I don't know that they're necessarily considered to be ROI. Um, but I, I agree with you that, you know, we really should look from the social aspects, what are the, the return on investment, but, you know, today it always comes down to, well, the day, probably the past as well comes down to dollars. Um, and, and are the cities willing to do that? I find universities definitely they're, they're willing to do it because they see the value in, in, in changing the colors for the experiential side. Yeah, so light pollution affects people, Peter. So we know like from studies that if you shine high Kelvin temperature white light on homeless encampments, for example, yes. those people will leave, okay? Mm -hmm. And they'll go somewhere else, all right? So they don't like it, right? Um, we know that there's different, that we know that crime is affected by light levels. So we know that some crimes are reduced and other crimes are increased when you increase light levels or increase clarity and color temper. So smash and grabs are increased when you have more street lighting uh, where there's cars and, and homes. And so we know they're, that they're decreased when you have more street lighting. They're increased. Smash and grabs? Yeah. So people are really? more likely to rob what's in a car when they can see what's in the car. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so yeah. So a lot of it, a lot of it's counterintuitive, right? So, yeah. um, so, but we also know that that lighting is neither the cause nor the solution to crime. That's another thing, right? Is that the, the, the light level doesn't help, doesn't cause the crime or not cause the crime. Crime, different crimes happen based on different light levels. That's what we know for sure. Um, and so, but, you know, the, being able to control it, there's this element of safety. So you have this flicker-free driver. If you dim, does, it, does the light... Does it not flicker? Because I know there's flicker issues when you dim. So if you dim, your mm -hmm. lights don't flicker? Uh, well, again, you know, Kasami is the controls company. So yep. we're, we're giving a dimming command and then it requires the equipment sure. driver LED to act in the fashion that it's supposed to. 
Um, certainly things that we dim will flicker because it's maybe an inferior technology to others. Sure. Uh, but that's not something that's caused by us where we're giving it a command, whether it's a zero to 10, a DMX, a dolly right. command sure. to, to, to go to a certain, um, intensity. Um, but you know, that, that kind of enters into the equation too, going back to this commercial thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting in my neighborhood right now, looking at a, at a light post outside that um they definitely save money let's put it that way uh mm-hmm. the the end result is, is it's a very high calvin temperature light it creates a lot of glare we talk about a negative effect somebody who wears glasses like myself with stigmatisms mm-hmm. at night it's very difficult to drive under mm-hmm. um but uh i suspect that if because they were trying to get the lowest you know, uh, the best price they could get, they probably, if they wanted to dim this, it probably would flicker. And that's, that's an equation of the equipment that they choose. Right. But what I'm saying is that the, the possibility is that we can dim without flicker now in 2024. Yeah, we can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We do it, you know, use hospitality in interior. We can go down sure. to 0.01% and hold that. Yes. Without having absolutely. any kind of jarring flicker or anything like that. Theatrical level control is available with LED now, right? Where you can dim. Absolutely. Right. So what, what we, what we, what we're, we're seeing is like different types of thrusts. So there was a study in France. Uh, I believe it was France. And my producer will correct me if I'm wrong, where they actually uh, put in street lights and gave the neighborhood people who lived in the neighborhood, the control over yeah. them with an app. Yeah. And you know, they, the lights were at the lowest dimmed level most of the time, actually, when that happened. And so, you know, and they, this is observed. It, 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 you know, people did not feel unsafe because the lights were dimmed by 90% or whatever it was in the study, 80%, 90%. But having the ability to control them took away that, that safety fear that people have without, without, without having access to electric light. Is Kasambi able to deliver those kinds of solutions? How close are we as an industry to, to actually yeah. having that level of control over lighting? Yeah, um, uh, I've actually had and uh, been involved with projects where, and you know, this is towards a building developer, not necessarily the municipality, because as you know, the uh, building codes uh, are, are now forcing the developers to do things like sidewalks and do things such as as, as the uh, the street lighting um, mm-hmm. on their sidewalks and so on. But but yeah, we've had a developer that that specifically asked for that. Um, I don't remember what the outcome was, but you know they wanted they they said, hey, we would like to give this uh, capability to the end user. Um, thought process being that if uh, there was too much light, they could dim it down. I think ultimately what they did was they, they uh, allowed them to phone a friend, you know, call up and just say, Hey, could you please adjust this light? It's right outside my window. I want that mm. you know, down at a lower amount. Um, really it would be a question to you. You know, if, if somebody has the ability to turn it off, you probably don't want to give them that, but maybe if they can, um, you know, they could do it with Kasami where they have an application. Um, we could give them access to that light outside their door. Um, and, and, and allow them to dim it. It's just a, a matter of how they, well, who wants to govern that and how they would want to implement it. Hmm. But it certainly is a possibility, yes. You two have given me a great idea. So I want to <laughs> explore this with Peter. <laughs> so so <laughs> Peter, I, we advocate for protection of people with disabilities. So mm-hmm. for, for a lot of us, this LED light is too intense. Uh, for mm-hmm. some people it's causing seizures, migraines, 
Um, and basically, it's just too much and too intense. So if we had your controls from Kasambi, let's say, let's talk about not municipal, let's talk about parking lot. And, mm -hmm. and if we set the, the, the typical light to pretty dim, so for those of us who don't like the intensity, just as the normal, right, baseline would be dim. My, my concern is with the Americans with Disabilities Act, somebody might come and request it to be brighter because they, their vision is worse. So you have right. these this problem, right? Some people need it less, some people need it more. So with your controls at Kasambi, could it be an accommodation for a person who, who needs it brighter for a little bit, right? That they could have that control on their on their phone they come to the parking lot and then they they tap the button and, and it'll brighten up for them only and then when they're done then they would it would go back to this dimmer level does that sound possible yeah absolutely it's you know again it's it's how much control do you want to give i mean um uh, in, in a way i guess there would have to be like a guest pass for that you know because there has to be security on on any network right uh, certainly anybody that has password <laughs> and administrative rights or even user rights with us can get onto the application and they can manipulate the lighting. Question is, is, is maybe there's other ways to identify that person. Um, you know, sensors, uh, mm. there's different types of sensors. Uh, there's, I'm hearing of, you know, in universities, uh, that they've got sensors that can identify a person running uh, towards another person and check that off as being, hey, a security risk. Uh, mm. It's an aggressive type of a, of, of a, of a movement. Um, with what you said, I'm wondering, is there, you know, a sensor or some sort of technology that could identify, you know, a particular person in a wheelchair um, as an example that would maybe meet, need some different needs and, and, and manipulate the lighting accordingly? Um, certainly could be a button or something like that, a manual thing. But yeah, there is a lot of different flexibilities. Uh, you had mentioned too about security um, earlier, uh, saying that, you know, <laughs> put the lights up and then people are going to see in the cars and they're going to be more apt to do a smash and grab. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, not expected, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A cool security feature that we've... Um, uh, run into. I, I'd love to say that we planned it, but it was kind of a byproduct mm. of, of a auto dealership is um, at night based on uh, the time becomes 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, whatever they deem the right time, the lights dim down. They go down to whatever intensity level they want, but let's just say it's to, you know, 10%. Um, as somebody walks into the um, parking lot, into the cars, there are sensors, and those sensors will then bring the lights up to full brightness. Intended for rainy days, cloudy days, when, when you know, in the Southeast and in Texas, when a storm rolls in, it gets dark, right? Mm -hmm. But the byproduct of that was as a security at night, as a, somebody's rolling by and you see, you know, a, a lights in the parking lot going on following a person you kind of know hey there's somebody over there it's 3 a.m mm -hmm. why, why don't i go check mm -hmm. so there's unintended security benefits the other way as well 
Yeah, the, the, the well-commissioned occupancy controls are definitely something that deters criminals. I'll say that for sure. I, I, I anecdotally know that to be true because, um, you know, if somebody moves towards a house and you turn the lights on, they move away from the home. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea of being monitored or watched is a powerful tool. And sensors yeah. give the feeling, well-commissioned, well-done sensors give people the feeling that they're that the, the space is monitored or some some sort of intelligent uh, um, system is is observing that and I think that sensors can provide that um, you know whether or not wildlife trips that um, is a whole other story right <laughs> so I mean the yeah. sensors don't know the difference between a human and a raccoon um, and so it, it could be going off for a raccoon or a deer or something like that as well. So, um, we have to be careful with, you know, these, yeah. these, ty- these types of things in, in some, um, in some areas. Uh, yeah. T- so this show is about light pollution. Okay. And, uh, or about mitigating light pollution. And one of the things that's, that's, um, that's part of it is glare. And in this features here, I talk, we talk about glare. Can we control glare? Is it just intensity that we can use controls for? Or do we have controls that activate shielding on lights as well? Is there controls that will say, you know, lower the baffle on the outside of the fixture by 30%? Are we there with that kind of mechanical, electromechanical control of fixtures? Yeah, I mean, we, I can't think of a fixture that does that specifically, but yes, we are there. We have fixtures um, or control over fixtures with some of our partners. Ledra Brands is, is one that comes to mind right now that has the ability to pan and tilt the light. So mm-hmm. we as a control company can take in control over um, the motors that do the pan and tilt in the same way that what you're suggesting, you know, a, a shield coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, going back to, you know, how do you handle glare right now? Yeah, you could do it mechanically, but it comes down to the proper lensing, mm-hmm. the, the proper yeah, design of the fixture. Um, the fixtures that are outside my window right now, it's almost like a, a raw board. Yes. Um, you have a laptop down. in the sky, a super bright laptop screen in the sky. Pointing down. In this case, it's even worse because it's just it's just diodes. You can see the diodes, and, yeah. and each one of them, I feel that it, it kind of pierces into my, you know, straight through my glasses as I drive at night. You're gonna get Mark's um, gonna go. Mark's gonna go crazy in about a second. What do you got, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> don't look, go to the city of Charlotte. Go ahead, Peter. They put these things everywhere. <laughs> I don't know who. But but I'm wondering, them. Peter. Peter, I'm wondering how you feel emotionally. You're in the lighting business. You've got the soft yeah. lights, it looks like to me, behind you. And then outside your window, you've got this horrible lights. I mean, it's got to yeah. be oh, driving I'm, your... I, I'm angry to the point where I've called up the city and, and asked them, you know, who's making the decision on this? And, and why don't you get, you know, people involved? I'd be happy to come in and sit to the, talk to the council. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's, again, to answer this question, it's really... Uh, um, a matter of, I think, about design, proper design. Certainly, a plethora of companies are, are designing the right fixtures, but this almighty dollar is is always killing us. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to make decisions based on on their pocketbook, on their budgets, uh, and it's not always the right decision for us 
it's certainly not the right decision for, you know, the deers that are eating my plants at night either. Mm. Um, I wish they didn't like uh, high Calvin temperature light, but it doesn't seem to bother them when they're <laughs> chewing on my plants. Mm. Um, so uh, controls plays a part, design fixture choice plays a part. Uh, but I think the biggest, the biggest problem that we have right now is the budget and, and who's making that decision and why. Socially, should we make better decisions, spend a little bit of more, more money, get better lighting? Yeah, I believe that. I know every lighting designer thinks that as well. But unfortunately, and, and there's a lot of really good, you know, podcasts like this that are educating people on lighting. However, we're all talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Now, there are, I, I don't know how many, um, you know, purchasing people from the city of Roswell, Georgia are on this and listening. Or, or, you know, anybody else outside. Mo of most of our listeners are not lighting people on the Restoring Darkness really? podcast. Okay. Yeah, great. most of them aren't. It's uh, it's different. Get a grip on lighting would be the opposite. It's all lighting people. Yeah. But Restoring Darkness is mostly non-lighting people, about 70%. But, you know, what What I would say, and, and, I, and, I'm, and, you know, I would say that the lighting industry in 2024 does not know how to do outdoor lighting correctly. And I think Mark mm -hmm. Baker would double down on that with me. Uh, 100%. I, I would say that we're in a process of learning how to use LEDs effectively in the exterior environment, taking all factors into consideration. And I think, to be honest with you, Peter, I, I think that the key thing to mix, to put in the mix is going to be controls. And I, yeah. and, and I, you know, if we're, if we're going to consider ourselves intelligent as a species, um, yeah. You know, the outdoor, the control of outdoor street lighting and also, you know, commercial and industrial lighting as well is absolutely fundamental to our environmental responsibility in 2024. Mm -hmm. We know that this impacts all living things on the planet and is a source of pollution and controlling it um, is, uh, is, uh, is just, uh, is actually at the forefront of the solution. I think it's the most important thing is to have teams at municipalities that are tracking bird migrations and bat migrations and times of year and, and, and this sorts of things so that we can dim control and reduce our light pollution when it's very important, but most of the time anyway, does that make sense? And I don't yeah. think the lighting industry knows what to do. That's my yeah, opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, it, it controls wise, the things that you're saying are, are possible. Kasambi, this is, these are the things that we do. We can get it down to the luminaire level. Um, obviously we can use sensors. We can use time of day scheduling GPS coordinates. Uh, but you know, um, uh, the idea that during this period of time, there's a specific migration that goes over, you know, a specific area, um, you know, there would there would have to be some sort of an input with us kasambi one of the things that we allow is is easy remote access to mm. control yeah. the lighting so again the, these technologies do exist it's a i think to your point it's about getting smart about how we use them um how we implement them uh you're seeing it on the coast right now where yeah everybody is now using the yellow lights for uh turtles Mm -hmm. uh, and other sea creatures um, certainly add controls to that uh, equation. You know, there's no reason why you have to have the lights on or 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 dim to any great intensity. I'm sorry, or yeah, or or up to any great intensity 
um, you know, after a certain time, 12, one in the morning for sure. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are, are absolutely things that controls can do, whether it's us or others. Um, I'd posit that Kasambi can, can do things a little bit easier, but certainly there's, there's a number of other controls companies out there that, that can do similar things to what we do. Um, but yeah, I too would like to see the social elements of this take effect and people to maybe take it a little bit more seriously for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Peter. Peter, what do you think about, is it possible to, Michael's going to go insane. Is it possible to control non led lights? Could you do high pressure sodiums? Could you do low pressure sodiums? Could you do incandescent light bulbs uh, or does it have to be LEDs? No, it doesn't have to be LEDs. I think LEDs um, made controls a little bit easier, uh, but there are challenges with the different types of, um, of, of, non-LED uh, formats, um, you know, regular incandescence, um, and to your earlier uh, point about, you know, concerns about flickering, you know, you, you're probably going to get more flickering and there's going to be more concerns around flickering with those things. Um, the controls industry has tended to leave those types of, of, um, illumination or those types of, of, of formats behind uh, magnetic low voltage, I'm sorry, magnetic um, uh, uh, drivers, uh, you know, are kind of a thing of the past. We have mm -hmm. a hole in our thing. We can't really dim those. Um, I think we have one one module out there that could possibly dim them. And, and we're always concerned about, about flickering with those light sources. They just weren't made to be dimmed. Yeah, and, As, and I hate to break the news to Mark, but HPS and LPS are not making a comeback, Mark. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's over, buddy. <laughs> it's over. You've but, mentioned you mentioned know, that to me. Yeah. yeah so uh, just, uh, just for the listeners out there, um, you know, but th that doesn't mean we can't do LED better, Peter. And so yeah. we, we've, um, you know, like, like I said, I, I see controls as a fundamental um, uh part of outdoor lighting that needs to needs to start growing and expanding there are already already multiple apps out there for different wildlife that you could api into they already exist so different mm -hmm. universities have already created birdcast flap um i know there's a bunch of them already that you could do like an uber situation where hey these birds are coming that we need to have it warmer a little bit dimmer uh the turtles are the turtles are on their way out to to see or whatever there's a whole bunch of different things that we could do but control is the fundamental basis of it um have you spoken to i don't think you've been on the lighting controls podcast yet with uh, Ron. No, I have Epstein. not. No. Okay. So there yeah, those guys are lighting controls integrators. Okay, so mm -hmm. what they do is they, they take the controls and configure them for people to work. I could see departments in cities where you have two or three of these lighting controls integrators that are responsible to manage the city's outdoor light, exterior lighting at night. And they, mm -hmm. they have control over it. They know what's happening with, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, is it IP address based? Uh, Peter, where it's 109.233.661 or whatever. Uh, yeah, depending on, on the technology, but it's 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 address based. Yes. Sure. So somewhere. they could have a map of their city with all the different lights yeah. and they could be seeing what's happening in real time. And there's an accident at the corner of 10th and 11th Avenue and they need to turn the lights up for the police there. They do it. You know, right. I, I, I really see this as a, a possibility right now for us. 
are we? I, I can't see us being that far away from being able no, to do I mean, that kind of thing. When when you think about it now, and and you know, you just said that there's these these applications out there, and they've got APIs, which means they you know are capable of going and getting the data, or capable of receiving the data coming in. Sure. Uh, you know, we're doing these things now. We're doing them for different reasons. In the state of California, we we have to take in an input that says uh, the grid is horribly stressed, go down to 80%. It's the same thing. In this case, it's saying that, you know, um, whatever ducks are flying overhead at, at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. turn the lights to whatever the condition is that they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going to warm color tuning and so on, again, that that's probably not something that's implemented out there in, in municipalities today. So that would be a step forward to consider as we're as we're putting in new LED fixtures, well, there's a reason to have color changing and then color changing has an effect on migration patterns, um, you know, what have you. But, uh, you know, today's environment, the best that we probably could do is, is change the intensity, turn on and off uh, based on inputs. And, and that's, as you said, it's an integration issue. It's, um, I would think, uh, Fairly, see, fairly simple to do in most municipalities, at least large municipalities that have got uh, robust control systems. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, the I think I'm, I'm really trying to push the lighting industry in this direction. Um, but, you know, I find it's somewhat of a tragedy when you think that how many of our smartest people in our society spend all their time making Facebook or Google or online gambling or video games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have a lot of human capital deployed in those areas. And some of our best people um, are working on those types of things instead of these types of problems. And, you know, one of my um, mentors in business, he would always say, pain makes change. And if you want to affect change, you got to highlight the pain because change cannot occur until the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. And I don't know how to make it painful. You know, this bird migration, this light pollution issue. I mean, Mark has story after story after story of human tragedy related to LED outdoor LED lighting. And we can't seem to get it up high enough on the agenda to affect these kinds of changes. But at least we have the technology, Mark. Once we start convincing people, Kasambi can come in and and get the controls up and running for all of us. uh, Peter, do you have any final thoughts? for the uh, Restoring Darkness listeners out there? Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's really about education. Uh, I'm thrilled to hear that, that the majority or a lot of these people are, are not specifically in the lighting industry because that means that there's people that are interested. You know, in the past, it's always been a very tight community. We're all talking to each other and maybe getting a little bit frustrated that nobody's noticing the really bad lighting conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, also, it's learning from others. Uh, I think Canada is doing a pretty amazing job um, with, uh, like, you know, with lighting and specifically other other areas around, you know, the migration patterns of, of animals. I was driving from Edmonton to Banff, mm-hmm. and there's a number of places for bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I had noticed too, as I was driving back uh, late at night after a dinner, and um, there really wasn't lighting out on those those highways. That's because um, Canada is so huge. 
Okay. Canada so, is huge. Well, the United States is huge too, but it begs the question too. No, but Canada is also unpopulated, right? So, yeah. um, you, you know, you have uh, uh, in Ontario, for example, most of Ontario has no roads at all. Mm-hmm. And you could fit, I think, France, England, and Portugal in Ontario, maybe throw in yeah. Ireland too, right? In yeah. Quebec, you can fit Germany, France, and Spain. You know what I'm saying? Most of Quebec has no roads too. Like most of it has no roads. So yeah, right. it's just, it's too, it's too expensive to put lights between Edmonton and Calgary. There's just too much space, but that, you know, Canada is largely a dark sky reserve. Most of Canada is a dark sky reserve. So that's why yeah, there's so it, many it, Canadians in the dark sky movement. Cause we have access to it. You don't have to go that far. <laughs> but it, it, it's a great, uh, what I, what I was thinking as I was driving and you know the United States is huge too. I live in Atlanta. I live in the Southeast. There's mm-hmm. three hours between Atlanta and Birmingham, mm-hmm. and two and a half hours between Atlanta and Birmingham. There's not much in between. Mm-hmm. Do we need lighting? Do we, do we really need poles all over the place? No, no, we really don't. We got headlights. Yeah, yeah, and you know there's arguments that it makes it less safe. There's actually a, a research emerging now. Like we have. Uh, um, Noah put together that article. I don't know if I agree with all of his presence, uh, um, all of his uh, um, points in the article, but you know, why if we have more and more light are, are pedestrian deaths going up every year? Like, why is that happening? You know, and so there's something going on. Um, controls would help us solve this problem because we could try different things without having to change light fixtures, Peter. Right, so you could do the same um, street in 2200 Kelvin, tune it to 3000 Kelvin, uh, you know, uh, dim it, change it and study it the controls offer a great way to research these problems yeah so long as the um the fixture is capable the controls can do that you're absolutely <laughs> right and then and then then we can affect change i uh i get to be a little bit cynical um again going back to my lights outside i i call the I, I called them and I asked them why they made the decision, how they're making the decision. The decision was made for one thing, one thing only. And that was, that was the price. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they said they yep. they wanted to get the price. They wanted to get their cost of energy down. They achieved that with led, but maybe they could have said rather than 65%, 60% reduction of energy would have been greater, uh, would have been good. I could have just spent a little bit more on the fixture, but who's making that decision? Are they really educated? And do they understand what we're talking about? about not that they're ignorant but do they have a full appreciation for it and that's that's the education part it, it's going to take a um more of more of this conversation the education um, starts with the lighting industry because yes. the lighting industry is the straw man in the room that's not pointing out these problems so guarantee mm-hmm. you someone from the lighting industry sold them those light fixtures we know that 100 yeah. percent. and they okay? were happy to do it yes Right. So we know that there was someone from the lighting industry that went down there and said, we're going to sell you these light fixtures and there's nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to love it. You're going to save tons of energy. So the lighting industry needs to be educated first. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the uh, first thing we have to do is, you know, I, I think, and Mark, you'll like this. I think we need to become the lighting and darkness industry. And so that darkness is a, is a that's why we call it the Lighting and Darkness Foundation. And folks, if you're listening to this right now, you can go to RestoringDarkness.com and you can click the donate link if you want to help us combat light trespass disputes. So for example, if Mark wanted to sue the city, the Lighting and Darkness Foundation would go investigate the situation and we would be act as expert witnesses in court for Peter uh, and his light trespass dispute with the town he lives in. 
uh, because that's what that is. It's a light trespass. So the Lighting and Darkness Foundation does this with the help of none other than the, I think you're the executive director or president, Mark. What are you? Executive director? I am the president. President. He's the president of the Soft Lights Foundation, which hates the lighting industry, but that's okay. We're coming together. <laughs> we're working together. And uh, so Mark and I are working together to help people out that have these kinds of issues. And light trespass is trespass. It's not a metaphor. Light pollution is pollution. It is not a metaphor. And if you're one of the 30% of the people listening to this right now in the lighting industry, you need to get on board with this because also it's going to be a huge source of revenue for us. That's right. The next 10 to 20 years, energy's out. Darkness restoration and night preservation is in, buddy. That's right. All the cool kids. Ah, that's right. All the cool people are talking dark skies. They're talking night preservation. They're talking darkness restoration. They're talking about all these kinds of issues. And we need to control these lights more than any other lights in the world. The outdoor lights need to be controlled for a ton of reasons, one of which is all the living things on this planet. So if you made it to the end here with me, go to RestoringDarkness.com, check it out. Of course, check out Kasambi. I'm looking at it here. It's C-A-S-A-M-B-I.com. Check them out for their lighting controls. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.